Welcome to another Quantum Conversation, brought to you by AcousticHealth.com. I'm Loren Gailey, and I invite you to sit back as we enter the Quantum Realm, that space of the greater part of you. It is your connection to infinite possibilities, infinite potential, and infinite mastery. Today we are with a five-time walk-in and we're going to hear her story. This is truly about understanding our own soul, our own human relationship with our soul. Let's meet Somra Anrika here on Quantum Conversations. Hello, Somra. Hello, Loren. Well, this is a fascinating topic. And so some people may know about walk-ins and what they are. Others may totally be hearing this for the first time. And your awareness of yourself as a walk-in, as an ET walk-in, an extraterrestrial walk-in, and really truly what that means. What's the point of it all? Let's hear your story. When did you discover that you are the sixth soul in this physical body? I mean, that's remarkable in its sense. Can you share with us the awakening process on this? Well, I'm so glad you mentioned it that way because I wanted to share in the order of discovery because I think it'll be much more meaningful because a lot of times we don't know about these things and it's in when we have a changeover like this, it's sort of after the fact, hmm, I'm different, but we don't necessarily notice. So hopefully as I share, this can help trip off things in people's consciousness about, hey, maybe this was that what that experience was about in my life. <laughs> so um, I think I first heard of walk-ins in the middle of the 1990s, and that was well after I had had at least one. And so I think when I started really getting clear, yes, was uh, at my uh, fourth changeover into a walk-in. I knew that was a walk-in. And then that enlightened the whole past where I'd already had other walk-ins. So I'd like to share a little bit about my foundation of life to, to help kind of paint a picture of why I'm, you know, capable of this and why it's so natural for me, because a lot of people really struggle with the whole walk-in process. It's really interesting. First out of the gate, I'd like to know, as you share your story, what was the time length between these walk-ins what was your shortest walk-in then that you're aware of now? The, the shortest one was about a year and uh, maybe four months, something like that, between walk-ins. The longest was usually around nine years. Well, this is a fascinating story. Let's have you start at the beginning then. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. Just to kind of, yeah, give you a foundational sense. Um, so, um, so the me that I was, the original soul um, that was born through this body was an indigo before we knew what indigos were. So it was the first wave of indigos um, between 1946 and around 1969 when the first wave came in. And uh, we were more about bucking the system back then. And so a lot of us who came in during that time, and, this, this, and I say us because I've integrated that, but... Uh, we were more about, we could see through the illusions, you know, we could see through a lot of the BS in the world and we were kind of calling 
you know, call in the world on it. And so I could tell, you know, I, I had empathic abilities, of course, I could see through the people around me and tell when they were lying, when their energy did not match what they were presenting. And really all children can, but it's very confusing for most children. And I was consciously aware of it and uh, resisted it. It was a very frustrating thing. The me that I was also knew that I was an adult and I was an adult in a child's body. So uh, when I came in, the me that I was came in was, um, it was like, no, not again. You know, it was like not really wanting to do the life, you know, because a lot of times people don't realize uh, when babies cry, they're actually upset because they remember who they just were and they weren't, they as a consciousness weren't ready for this next life and to be in this baby body, it's very upsetting. And um, particularly those of you listening who are mothers and you do everything you can to help your child and she's still crying, that could be it. And she just needs consoling, you know? Um, so I definitely was one of those very frustrated and, and frustrated trying to move this child body, you know? But mostly people didn't take, don't take children seriously. You know, I had a lot of wisdom and awareness and they just brush it off. And so it was kind of a foundation of a lot of conflict and frustration, but, but tremendous awareness. I was having metaphysical experiences very young. And by the time I was uh, 11, I was doing all kinds of experiments, metaphysical experiments and levitation, um, hypnosis. I was exposed to hypnosis and I was hypnotizing people. I was levitating people. Um, and, and leading groups because I was studying this. It's like, okay, phenomena. We called it parapsychology back then, you know, paranormal. And so uh, I was very curious, you know, very, very curious and wanting to understand how is all of this happening? We can't just ignore this. And so by the time um, I had my first major, major walk-in where life changed dramatically, that was around 17, 18 years old. And so it was kind of like I had a massive spiritual awakening and changed everything. And so I didn't know what walk-ins were at the time, right? But uh, I was, I let's see, I, I, I think I made a list here because I'm like, gosh, there's so many. Okay, I stopped drinking alcohol, which not a, was not a big thing, but definitely teenagers, of course, typically do that. I stopped drinking coffee. I stopped watching television. I stopped dating, uh, became deliberately celibate changed my hairstyle, stopped wearing makeup, changed my wardrobe, started eating health foods, only health foods. Was this just overnight you woke up one day or was there an accident or something? No accident. I'm so glad you mentioned that because there's a lot of misunderstanding around what walk-ins and how they happen. Um, the, the, the general assumption out there is there's usually an accident or a major illness or a coma. I've certainly helped walk-ins who they did it that way, you know, um, but it's, that's not the typical, not necessarily typical. It could be just kind of overnight and then you gradually integrate. So uh, as my guides put it, you know, it's like pouring water you know, into a glass and it could be very slow. And so the start point where the, where the new soul is pouring in and the old soul is pouring out can happen over months. And so that one happened over several months but there's usually a switch point where I call it the tipping uh, glass, you know, like a, like an hourglass, you know, where it tips over, there's a tipping point and now you're, you're focused in a different direction. And that was kind of what it was. Uh, there was an overnight feeling and I literally started signing up for spiritual metaphysical workshops. You know, I was just like going to all of the events that I could in my area, uh, uh, just like right after high school. 
kind of thing, you know, and was just boom, 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 completely focused in a new direction. But it took a few months as the old life was fading out. And, and so like the personality consciousness has an adjustment period. And then it was like, none of that has any meaning anymore. It was just falling away. Everything was falling away. Um, I was on a trajectory to be a musician and um, I was one of those prodigy kids, you know, it was like, uh, could play any instrument you put in my hands, uh, was in chorus band, could, you know, could sing really well, all that kind of stuff. And then boom, that just changed. And, and the interest in music faded fairly quickly. And, you know, I was one of those that played records constantly and sang to records. And I just, within a year or so sold my record collection. It was wild. But the big changes, you know, were all of that. And the diet was a big one. I stopped eating all animals and became uh, mostly raw foods. No, nothing that comes from an animal. Um, stopped putting chemicals on my body, uh, like commercial soaps, shampoos, all that, and switched to all natural. Um, stopped seeing doctors, medical doctors, and going the medical route. I actually had a health condition. And uh, my doctor couldn't do anything about it. We went through all the medications and all that. And then that transition, it was kind of like, you know, I think I'm done with this route. I'm going to go the alternative route. And uh, that set me on a path of learning a ton of stuff about alternative healing, which then set me on a path to be a healer, at least at first. I knew I was always kind of going to be a teacher, but I needed to have that healer experience apparently. And that soul that had stepped in was all about that. So as after that, I mean, I, oh, also I stopped, I started exercising before that I hated exercise. <laughs> so that soul got me on board, detox, cleared out. Um, I was doing yoga, Tai Chi, and eventually weightlifting and uh, aerobics and all that and loved it. And, you know, the people who knew me before were like, what has happened to you kind of thing, right? <laughs> so, but definitely got into this, I became very serene and spiritual oriented and just wanted to just read my spiritual books, you know, Louise Hay and all of that, got introduced to all those things. And, um, and then it kind of, a light bulb kind of came on, you know, I think I, I want to be a healer. I think I want to be, a, I just had a natural ability to be a massage therapist. And I started working on friends and family. And they said, you know, if you start a business, we'll pay you because this is great. My pain is gone. And so it kind of put me on that path. And I never really saw myself as a healer, you know, but that was like, what was, what, as a human, I didn't see that, but that was what was manifesting. That soul was really on that course. And it was really more like awakening. It was awakening what I already knew from, you know, other lifetimes and all that stuff. So, uh, yeah, so that was a, a huge change, but I didn't know what a walk-in was at the time. You know, I also shifted from a negative point of view to a positive point of view. So prior to that, it was kind of like, uh, I had a very negative worldview. Um, my life was so terrible, basically, as a child. The, some of the stuff I mentioned I struggled with, but I also discovered much later in life, I had a lot of uh, buried abuse and that sort of thing. And so all of that fed to, into the um, just this negative viewpoint and like it's hopeless kind of stuff. And then when I had that, that walk-in shift, what came with it too was the whole wow, you create your own reality and, you know, positive thinking and on this kind of new, uh, wonderful path and life was wonderful and nature is wonderful and everything's wonderful, you know, kind of thing. Um, so that was, uh, I am forever grateful for that soul walking in and making that shift forever grateful because that even though 
there's some things that I missed, like I had a lot of grieving to do much later in life about the whole musician falling away because my heart was really moving in that direction. And in fact, um, I know now there was a, I was uh, another timeline. It went off on another timeline where I did become a musician and a rock star, actually. That's what I was on the path for. Um, I played, I played drums, electric guitar, all that stuff. And all that faded away when this new soul came in. But there is actually a whole series of timelines where I did, where I am that right now. And actually I can visit and we cross talk and um, share. So that's a whole other really cool story about timelines and multidimensionality. But yeah, it was a very real thing. But uh, I had to kind of accept, here's the direction that we're going. And, um, and it was fun. You know, it was fun. But, but sometimes any of you listening who maybe, you know, think you're walking and you may have had that kind of fade away thing and um, where, where you were on a certain track and, and it's like, what happened? Um, that may be, you know, it may be a walk-in situation. And I, I can, I help people in my work sometimes make those adjustments and heal that grief. Here you are, you're still you and you are still here in this physical body. So when you look at the original personality, do you still make contact with that personality? Well, the personality is still here, but the time, the timeline of that soul actually stayed in, didn't have a walk-in and actually continued as a musician. That's a whole soul timeline thing. But the personality, um, a lot of people think when a walk-in comes in, they just ch change all of that. And really that's not actually the case. There is some house cleaning. Like I said, I did a lot of detox and all of that shifted some thinking released, but there were still packets of unconscious stuff that that soul and each soul after that goes, okay, we're going to, we're going to work on this when the time is right, but the time's not right just yet. So that personality is still a part. You have to kind of interface them. And sometimes there's a lot of struggle that people have. And that's why I wanted to give a little foundation of life because I didn't really struggle with that personality. My personality was like, oh, cool. This is the next cool metaphysical thing, right? <laughs> that's happening. Whereas some people, they come from a no, like a, you know, a strictly Christian background or no sense of that. And then they make that shift and it's very strange and not, not as compatible. And my, my current soul self is about 80% compatible with the personality self. So there really isn't a whole lot of debate, but I have heard that there could be as little as 10% compatibility. And those people really struggle with that walk-in. That was your first, well, that was the second soul in this body. And I love how you described it as like a little, a transfer, like a dilution, right? Yeah. A dilution of the new soul coming in. And then what happens? Okay. So, uh, and by the way, it's always a soul agreement, you know, in the higher, higher realms. And sometimes many years or even before the lifetime begins, the soul agreement is there. So uh, as things evolved, I, you know, I got all kinds of training, reflexology, craniosacral therapist. I was doing all of that simultaneously while teaching people. I was teaching spiritual classes. Uh, I was taking all kinds of in-depth uh, healer training and then created my own courses and that sort of thing. And then uh, also doing property clearing, I trained with that. And also during that period, that was in the uh, early 90s, uh, mid 90s, I was um, exposed to uh, a group called Extraterrestrial Earth Mission. I don't know if you've heard of them, but they, uh, they're they not together anymore. There are some other groups like that, um, Golden Star Alliance, 
uh, they wrote some books and they were extraterrestrial walk-ins. And so they really just came forward talking about this. And as soon as I was exposed to their audios and books, I was like, I really resonate with that. And I kind of had an inkling we're a part of the same soul group, in fact, or collective. And they, one thing that they did a lot of was toning, you know, was channeling sound. And so I started just automatically doing that too. It just became really natural. And those who kind of, I, I lived with a friend at the time and she was like, wow, you sound just as powerful as they do. And I was like, you know, there's something to this. And I realized that there's, here's where my voice, my, my singing voice gets to come in and be used, but now in a different format, in a different way. And so it was kind of uh, meaningful that, okay, wow, my voice could be used in an instrument for healing. And rather than the old mindset, you know, that was the musician. And so I just kind of rolled with it and I would be in channeling groups, you know, there'd be a channel speaking, whatever. And um, I would say, I'm hearing the tone, is that okay? And they'd be like, sure. And so I would channel sound and people would have all kinds of shifts and they would say, my headache's gone away and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, this is really fun. And this is really cool. And I began then creating my own groups where people would come, you know, I'd rent a large space, people would lay out on mats on the floor and I would do these um, extensive toning events, uh, cha channeling sound. So basically I connect with this higher collective and uh, well, there's a small group called, well, small, you could say it's, you know, around a hundred of different beings, uh, the Trigalian sound masters. So that's their skill is channeling sound uh, or using sound to basically facilitate transformation because it's really beyond the body. It's not just about healing the body. It does, healing was never really about that to me. Healing work and even massage therapy was about uh, shifting the consciousness. I had a way where I could just sometimes even just barely touch the body and the muscles would melt. And people would be like, how do you do that? They would, I would basically take people into a transcendental state while I was working on them. And then the body becomes malleable. It becomes more like energy. And I just understood that. And I could telepathically communicate with the tissues and ask them to release. And, and I could see what was causing the tension. And because I was very interested in real healing, not just putting a Band-Aid on or a relief. I was interested in real transformation. And often when I'm working on someone, I would, I would see their soul history, their uh, unconscious aspects that are crying or yelling or really upset, their, their unresolved issues, you know, from this life, as well as from past lives. And so uh, it got to a point where I eventually evolved out of body work because that context, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't fully facilitate them. And so, but I'll get to that in a, a little bit, but what happened next is uh, there came a point where I felt like something was, my life was coming to a close, like, so, like a whole uh, era was coming to a close and I was guided to move to another state and I knew I was going to meet my twin flame and uh, which was very exciting and very scary at the same time. Right. And we, uh, a lot of people don't know there's, we, we have more than one twin flame. There's not just one in the whole world. And sometimes they're not even incarnate, but uh, I knew that the one that was, that was most primary was coming into my field. And, um, so we did meet within a few months after I moved and he channeled extraterrestrial masters 
who we know now, you know, well, it didn't take us long to know were a part of that original group, ET Earth Mission, um, which is a collective of actually many millions of, of ET ascended masters who've ascended long before human history, um, over 355,000 years ago. So uh, I'm a part of bringing that, that awareness forward. I'm, I'm a representative of that group. But all of that was kind of coming into play. And we knew within, oh gosh, maybe a month or so that we were going to get walk-ins basically. And so it was that we were just like, okay, he knew he was a walk-in already. And so that kind of lit me up to go, you know, I kind of feel like I am too, but I've never had it confirmed. And I actually had a, a channel who I trusted back in the nineties. I asked her, you know, I'm a walk-in or whatever. And she she had this look on her face like she knew more than she could say, but she said, well, what, what I see is a soul blending. So like as if two souls came together and that is a thing. So that was kind of always in my mind, but I realized later that I the me that I was was not ready to, to really grasp what a walk-in, that I was a walk-in yet, it wasn't time. So now it was time as I, as I uh, met my twin and we, um, we went through all kinds of transformation really fast, of course. And uh, within just maybe three or four months, we had our walk-ins. His came two weeks after mine and they were virtually instantaneous. And this one was so meaningful because one of the masters that he channels, who was my uh, mentor and back in Atlantis during the golden age, um, which was a wonderful time uh, I, when, I, when I was there too, he, he was actually channeled, channeled through my, um, my partner. And he said, you know, uh, I think you need a massage. You, you ought to get a massage with me and, and as soon as possible. And he never suggests anything like that. You know, they, they're always like, you know, whatever you're asking for, then they aim to accommodate. But I was like, okay, something important is happening here. So we set up a time and uh, we went to our office and it was, it was incredibly meaningful because it was nighttime and we had a, a window at the, that faced the parking lot that was a double panel window. And the outer panel was smashed when we arrived, but it was intact like a windshield would be. And the, the street lamp was glistening on all the cracks. Okay, so all the cracks were lit up. And while uh, my partner was setting up the table and everything, I just, I was starting to go into a trance. And I was staring at this, this panel, and I was like, you know, this is like the soul. And all the cracks that the soul divides itself into many things and into many issues. And the healing process is like erasing the cracks. But we, who we are, is really the whole panel all the time. It's just we have all of these divisions that don't necessarily know each other, aren't necessarily aware of each other. And the, the, the process of going into polarity is like, you know, going through these fractures and the psyche does the same thing. Whenever it has an uncomfortable experience in childhood, there's a fracture that happens and a walling off. I didn't understand that to the full extent at that time yet, but I just got it. And I just was mesmerized staring at this glass and like, yeah, we're always, we're always whole, which I knew that, but I was seeing this representation and it's just erasing the cracks. And as all the cracks get erased, 
well, we become aware of our full wholeness and then ultimately ascend. You follow me? It was very beautiful. And then I got on the table and it was a two and a half hour massage. And it was not like any massage you can imagine. I mean, he was working on points and all kinds of things. And uh, he was channeling the master while, while he was, the master was doing it. And I just went into a really deep state. And afterwards, I couldn't speak. I couldn't use my voice. And uh, he drove us home. Uh, uh, my partner did. And I went in the bedroom and he just knew to leave me alone. And he knew I had a walk-in, but he didn't say anything yet. When you were talking about all of, you know, thinking about all of your walk-ins and the soul blending, is this all your soul, soul aspects? It's like what you saw in that glass is all you. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't so much in the walk-in context when I was seeing the glass, but although that does fit, and, and that's a really good question because I use the term soul aspect a lot because a lot of people don't realize there are many divisions of soul self. There are many levels of soul self. So earth religions and earth perspectives kind of just see this one nebulous soul a lot of times, whether it goes to heaven or, you know, like the, the Buddhist perspective, it just fades back into the oneness. And my experience is way more diverse than that. There are many, many dimensional layers and levels, of course, as, as we know, but there are many divisions of soul that exist in those dimensional levels. And so we talk about the soul incarnating, but really it's the soul aspect. It's, it's, a, it's a pinky of the grand soul that you are that actually is interfacing through the body. The body couldn't handle the whole massiveness of the soul. The soul's as big as the universe, really. And so it's an aspect. So sometimes walk-ins are completely different souls, like in the higher up levels. It's a complete changeover. Those tend to have a harder time, but not always. And then there's sometimes the same, you could think of it as the oversoul, the same oversoul, but a different soul aspect walks out and another one walks in with a whole different path. But on a higher, higher level, it's the same oversoul you could think of it as. So my, my, my last ones, last few walk-ins were are aspects of that same greater soul self, but the earlier ones not. Well, I find it really interesting as well that um, during the massage or the energy work that this interdimensional communication was made because energy work we've heard from so many people is really a bridge. We know when people are doing sessions, they can feel other beings, higher dimensional beings come in and help with the healing. Whenever I would do bo even body work, you know, there would be at least, at least five other beings in the room and we would be interacting while we're working on the person, whether it was energy work, body work, any of that. Yeah. Yeah. So at that walk in there were, the room was full because this was a monumental event, this changeover, because there was a lot, a lot of people don't understand you, you're, you're really a team, you know, it's not just about your one soul coming in this body. It's a whole team and everyone has many guides and angels and, and they're really our friends, you know, in the higher dimensions, but from the human reference point, it seems like, oh, they're so, you know, at, way beyond us kind of thing. And there may be some differentiation, but they're really our friends. And as one of my um, Ascended Master mentors put it, she said, you, you know, it's like your body is the company car. 
and the you that you know yourself to be is the one that gets to drive it for a while. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. So was that your second walk-in then, the third? No, no, stall? that well, that was the that was the first one that I was concretely aware of, but but aware it was of. actually it was actually the fourth transition. So that was the fifth okay. soul coming in. And so I just sat there staring into space that whole evening and he came in, my partner came in and he felt intuitively that it was time. And he looks in my, all I could do was just draw in my journal. I had my journal, I couldn't write. I was like, I had to remember how to write and that's what happened, the, the soul that I was, okay? And and that happens sometimes in the transition. It's like the, the new soul aspect is learning to work the body. And he, so my partner looks in my eyes and he says, who are you? And I, I couldn't speak. So I, I started writing, spelling out the name and it started out with a N it was on, and there was an apostrophe and then it was Anaria. And I realized, Oh, the, the human self realized I'm, I just had a walk in and, but I still couldn't speak. I couldn't say anything. And that was actually for about 24 hours before I could actually use the voice and write and be normal again <laughs> but it, fortunately he knew what was going on so he was very supportive in the process his transition wasn't as awkward um but yeah so that has happened two weeks later and then we began on a new a new course and that the one of the biggest shifts that changed from that is prior to that i was very uh learning oriented more mental oriented when it came to spirituality and metaphysics and and just like learning everything i could and really awakening memory but the shift was from the head to the heart, basically. And the new soul aspect coming in was, it was more about, okay, now it's time to really anchor in the heart and live from a more heart space. And it's not about learning so much anymore. It's fascinating because, you know, when people discover that they're walk-ins, they, like you were saying, they'll go back and, I mean, I've had friends who say, you know, I wore glasses, then I had this illness, I came out of it and I was a completely different person. My looks changed, my habits changed. That's a walk-in. But what you're describing, Somra, is that this can be happening to people all around the world and we're not really knowing it. So let's dive deeper into the question of ET, ET walk-in, extraterrestrial walk-in. You said to me at one time that you know that you go to ships at night. You go to a ship when you're sleeping. Yeah. Is it higher dimensional beings choosing to become physical? That's a really good question. Okay, so I'm going to introduce what may be kind of a new concept to a lot of people because a lot of what's being taught um, I just haven't heard it yet. Maybe somebody else is talking about this, but all the dimensions, I experience all the dimensions right here now. And they always have been. The fifth dimension's always been here, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, and so forth. It's all right here. There is no time and space, really. This is a holographic construct that the mind is interpreting as distance and time, traveling through time. And so I literally have always experienced all time is now. And I have all teaching about all time is now. And it's and there's some, some philosophies out there that we should, quote, let go of the past and all of that. And to me, that's not the case at all. We need to embrace the past. 
the past is right here. It's not away somewhere. I live spherically, so time is spherical. It's and I can go in any point in time, and I'm in the center of the sphere, and I can go in any distance, so to speak, but it's not really traveling. Okay. So I know a lot of people use terminology like transmissions, like it's there's a transmission from some other dimension. And that's fine. That's a a context, but I don't experience it that way. Right now, I'm on the space station that I, I'm literally I'm seeing you, okay, but I can also, uh, I'm aware in a sensing point of view, I'm also right now, the, the ET self is on a space station between here and the Pleiades, by the way, and I can see everybody there too. It's just, it's just a slight shift, and yeah, we're, we're all laughing, because um, it's like talking about this and trying to put it in terminology, regular language, it's really difficult. So, it's not just at nighttime, it's at any time, all the time. So all the time I'm walking around on the space station, I'm also here interfacing, as well as there's even other dimensional selves that are beyond the context of ships and space stations that are, um, you know, seventh dimensional and so forth on up. And so we, on that level, we experience reality more as just energy, color and geometry and that sort of thing. So I can easily, fairly easily interface with that as well as needed. And it's quite a juggle sometimes to deal with, you know, drive a car and deal with this world. Like a lot of people are like, how do you do this? And I'm like, it's just all one. Uh, one time I was driving to a sound event that I was going to do. And usually the, 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 the masters who were going to be sounding through me at that event, we would interact because sometimes I would have special, special guests or whatever. And this particular group was a Native American group that well, actually, they were the the or the the ancestors of Native Americans. They were on the Pleiades, and so we're having this conversation. I'm driving at you know like 40 minutes, and and I'm like, so how does that work? And I'm seeing the star system on the windshield of the car, and they're saying, um, so here's here's where we were from in the Pleiades. We're still here, and and so the Native Americans that are on Earth, you know, originated from this system and this system. And I'm driving a car at the same time, and I realize, wait a minute, I got to be watching the road. But there's a consciousness that's watching the road at the same time, and and I'm I'm safe. The body is safe. It's just it's it's all overlaid, almost like uh, like holographic overlays, and I can experience them all simultaneously. So when you look at reality and the dimensions, you did describe it, you know, as colors and geometry and sound, and then the ships come in. Don't we just have such a myopic view? Um, yes. In the mainstream, don't we just have such a limited view of all that is? Incredibly limited. And a lot of people who work with the Earth Ascended Masters, we have a distinction with the Earth Ascended Masters and the ET Ascended Masters. The Earth Ascended Masters are younger. They're, you know, like Saint Germain and uh, Jesus, Yeshua, uh, Kuan Yin, all of them, they're much younger and they've usually only ascended one time. The ET Ascended Masters, a lot of, so a lot of people don't understand that you actually can ascend many times. It's a dipping in and out and you go through a series of lifetimes of experiences because you as a soul, and, and this is oversimplifying because to really understand you have to be in your soul consciousness. Why would a soul go through all of this stuff, right? But it wants to understand certain things. So say like it wants to develop, uh, it wants to understand all the intric intricacies of compassion. 
So it will set up a series of lifetimes to dip into, you know, polaric reality of, you know, um, dark and light and all of this kind of concepts where you don't have that in oneness consciousness, which is fifth dimension and beyond. So it'll set up a series of lifetimes that will facilitate deep pain that will then um, evolve through the lifetimes into understanding profound compassion through that experience, compassion for all involved and all the misunderstandings. This world, this dimension, but particularly this world is full of misunderstandings. You could say it's one big misunderstanding about what reality is. And so anyway, the soul will go through all of that and then will ascend again and, and go cool and really like embrace all of that. And then might set up a whole other series of, of lifetimes to go through another thing dip in, go unconscious, go through all of these experiences and then ascend again. And there are actually, you know, quite a few ascended masters, ET ascended masters incarnate right now or walk-ins right now on the earth who don't know it necessarily. They haven't remembered yet. They, but we're here to help stimulate that awakening and that memory. We know we're familiar with the earth ascended masters, right? You yes. named a few of them who are the ET ascended masters. And you even mentioned Trigallion. What's the Trigallion? Okay, so the, the collective, the massive collective that I'm a part of, we identify through the, uh, the White Rose Unity is kind of the name that we, that we go by. It's based on, okay, so I mentioned 355,000 years ago. So this is actually gonna tie in with my current walk-in when Somra walked in. Um, 355,000 years ago, it was recognized by the uh, collected by many millions of ET ascended masters who had already ascended from other worlds, sometimes many times, came together and recognized what was happening, going to happen on Earth. Okay, this unfoldment was going to happen on Earth, including the takeover by the dark forces, you know, which a key pivotal point was about 75,000 years ago in Earth history. So they saw that trajectory and the grand potential to not only assist in Earth's ascension, that Earth was going to go through an ascension around this time period right now and transition to the next level of reality from third, third dimension to fourth dimension, and ultimately fifth dimension, to assist in that process by incarnating, many of us incarnating through a human form and helping with that process, but also a tremendous opportunity for evolution as souls. It's like, hey, even though we're advanced beings um, and we don't need this, this is a great opportunity to really, really expand whatever individually we want to do in that process. And of course, some chose to not incarnate, but to just remain as like guides, you know, or channeled beings that come in. So there was this massive meeting. I call it the great meeting that happened. Uh, it was uh, it was in the Pleiades. And. We, we came together, we decided this. And so then um, we, we decided when we were gonna insert ourselves in the timeline of, of Earth, okay? And usually it was during this last, you know, 6,000, 10,000 years or so of Earth's history right now. And so I've had many, many lifetimes through Earth's history as well. Every time period, every, pretty much every continent, every, I, I'm a soul that wants to do everything. That's like, I've, I've got my hands and everything. I want to know what that's like. I want to know what that's like. And my human self is the same way. So that's where one way we're compatible. So it's like, if only there were more hours in the day, right? Cause you just can't do it all. It's a, uh, 
so, but anyway, that's kind of what, why, why we're doing this. We didn't have to do this, but we're here. And so not everybody is from the White Rose Unity, but, but many of us are. And I'm going to be talking more about that, um, you know, in possibly other podcasts we do, other groups and that sort of thing. I'm, because humanity really hasn't been ready for the teachings yet. They're actually way beyond anything that's been on earth. The essence is similar, you know, heart-centered um, universal principles of resonance, like, like, you know, everything works by resonance in the universe. Um, some people think of it as the law of attraction, but we see it as a much broader concept. And uh, I'm really looking forward to that because I've been waiting for 30, 40 years to finally bring this forward. So it's coming forward now. And me coming forward today is a lot about that is just saying, hey, here's who I am. And here's where we come from. And there's a lot to share. And so white rose has to do with, there's a rose, there's a flower that, that is the ancestor of the earth rose. And it's a white rose on the Pleiades. And it blossoms uh, in a, more like in a line. And each blossom opens. And then within that, another blossom opens. And then within that, another blossom opens. And we saw that as a wonderful analogy or representation of the process of evolution, expansion, awakening, and ascension. It's just continuous blossoming, 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 expanding, expanding, expanding. And, and it's an exquisite example. The, that rose also smells absolutely exquisite. Beautiful. The story that you share is really interesting. And I know you're helping others awaken to things within themselves. Is there a process that you want to do right now? We would love to hear some of the higher dimensional frequencies of toning come through you. <laughs> All right, let me tune in a second and see what we'd like to do. So yeah, I am seeing several, whew, yeah, a lot of, lot of powers coming through. Uh, several listeners who are at this cusp where they're... Uh, really about to move into a greater level of their awakening. And there's some limitations in consciousness and the human consciousness that's, that's kind of holding them back, trying to make sense of everything. I really encourage anybody listening to, you know, it's of course we want to understand in our mind, but there's some things that are just beyond the mind's capability to really grasp. And the more you let go of trying to funnel it through a very limited human consciousness and human consciousness has the potential to be quite grand, but we've been conditioned to think very small, right? So the process of awakening is expanding the human consciousness. But if you can let go of trying to understand everything and put it all in pieces and make sense and move more into your heart space, the heart will inform the mind. And, and as you open and relax, the mind then can understand as a follower, not as a commander. And that's where a lot of people are challenged because they're trying to run their life based on what's, you know, what's conditioned in the mind. And so I can bring through some toning right now um, to help with that. So I just wanted to say, this is kind of the focus of what we're doing. Okay. Now, I don't know how it's going to transition or, or, or how it's going to sound through the microphone, but I've got the best setup I can. So anybody, if you're, um, if it sounds too loud, you can turn the volume down because I can't hold back the volume or I, I hold back the frequencies, okay? All right, give me a moment. Okay, so just 
Take a few deep breaths. And just let the breath go. You don't need to push it out. Just let it go. Feel yourself relaxing into your seat. And imagine your consciousness, your mind, your aura, however you see it, just opening and expanding more, expanding its receptivity and its capacity to be, to feel, to simply know who you are. And take a deep breath again. Just let it go. And allow the sounds to move through you. Shifting, changing, clearing, whatever you need in this moment to expand into more of who you are. More awareness of who you are. And take a nice deep breath and let it go. 
Notice how you feel. Notice how your body feels. And gently open your eyes. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We felt that actually. And it sounded a little ET-like in a way. Not that we're going to label anything, but that was interdimensional higher beings. Thank you for sharing. Welcome. Thank you for receiving. Let's go back to the soul, the birthing process. You, you talked a little bit about this. You have some insights on the gestation and the birthing process um, that has our soul splinter like that glass window that you saw in the night. Yeah. Can you talk about the whether we're walking or birthed in and this process of the soul, the journey of the soul? Yeah, okay. So in about uh, 2013, um, I discovered, I knew that as a healer, an energy worker, I could go into people's consciousnesses and talk to various aspects of their consciousness that were traumatized or experienced anything uncomfortable and were frozen in time. And that's a whole other discussion about how, basically how this world has gotten so twisted and misunderstood. It's, it's an individual process. It's a, it's a collective of, of all humanity has basically experienced a series of, of uncomfortable experiences, traumatic experiences, what we call little T traumas, which are like just having, just experiencing disapproval, for instance, as a child, uh, a moment, just a moment versus, you know, and then there's the full spectrum all the way to severe abuse of all kinds. And what happens is when these events occur, most of the time, it, it shakes up the consciousness of a child can't filter any of that out. So they feel that energy impact, whether there was physical or just energy or emotion. And it causes a fracture in the consciousness. And then the consciousness, that piece walls itself off. And it's been proven in psychology and studies that even 10 minutes later, a child can totally forget something that was actually extremely traumatic. It actually literally walls itself off and the psyche in an effort to protect blocks it out of your memory. Now there's all kinds of chemical processes that happen with the brain. I won't go into all of that, that makes this happen, but it's in order to survive the environment. The, the body is designed to survive. And so that works great in the wild, but when you put it in a quote, civilized society with all kinds of psychological confusions and misunderstandings and manipulations and so forth, um, it, it causes a distortion in the consciousness. And so that gets walled off. And there are all of these walled off capsules, you might call it, or compartments as it's typically called in a person's field. And I perceive those. And so when I would be, when I was doing energy work and, and hands-on body work, I, I could perceive those. And so what I do, what, what I found was that it was very helpful and the body could heal a lot of times, but sometimes the condition might come back or, or come back in a different way or not quite heal. But I, I discovered basically that somehow the person needs to have some conscious interaction, ideally most of the time and conscious memory connection with the original event. You don't have to go through the original trauma, but you do need to connect with it from an energetic and emotional standpoint. The key is emotion. Emotion is like, uh, I often use the analogy of electrical fence, you know, 
when a person touches an electrical uh, fence, they're magnetized to it. They can't let go. And the only way to be able to break free from that fence is if someone turns off the power, basically, because if another person comes and tries to pull them off, then that person gets magnetized too to the electrical fence. So it, you have to turn off the power at the source, the emotional charge at the source. So I discovered that, okay, somehow there's got to be an interface where I can help people become conscious of that original source pain where that started that's causing their physical pain or their relationship issues or their money issues or whatever it is. And so when EFT, emotional freedom techniques, crossed my path, uh, uh, you know, around 2012, 2013, I, I, I got the opportunity to take, uh, take training, uh, facilitator training. And boy, that was, that was a big key. And so it, it's a way that of interfacing where I can lead someone through a process and I can vocalize what I hear their unconscious saying. And then when they say it, then it brings it to the conscious mind. The emotions come up and out and it could be anything from just a wave of like fear or tears or full on, you know, sobbing uh, or anger, whatever it may be to help move that out of their system. It's forever gone. And it works really well with the um, what I bring in as an extraterrestrial, the, the healing property. See, a lot of people don't know a lot of the healing modalities over the past century actually come from extraterrestrial origins. They're kind of inserted or channeled. Uh, one great example is AA, the 12-step program. That was actually influenced by, uh, by the collective, that, the bigger collective that I'm a part of. And it's a process that takes people through, you know, shifting to a higher power, basically, from trying to run on what you think is going to make you feel better, which is your addiction or your attachment, codependency, whatever it is. And it's a process that leads you out of it by shifting to your higher power's will and your higher power's care. And so that's just one example of many. So we have our system that I'm going to be bringing more in as well about all of that at some point. But EFT was a way to kind of, a lot of my clients were, were more mainstream people. So it was a way that gave them something tangible to work with, even though it was a little strange while you're tapping on acupressure points. For those of you listening who don't know what EFT is, you can Google it, uh, emotional freedom techniques. It's, it's, it's a way to shift stuff really quickly. And, but you got to connect with the feeling. And if, you're, if it's not done correctly and you don't connect with the emotion, then, then you don't necessarily experience the full result. So if you don't, don't assume it doesn't work. Okay, there's plenty of videos out there that if you don't have the results and you think it doesn't work, that's not the case. There's a specific way of doing it, particularly if you're facilitated by a practitioner. So um, that to me was also kind of extraterrestrial influence. Gary Craig was the uh, originator of EFT. Um, I don't think he claims anything far out like this. He's an engineer, so he's very uh, pragmatic. But um, all of us have these guides, right? And so a lot of what we bring forward are the connections we make from other systems that are out there and go, you know, I think I can make that faster. I think I can redesign that and make it better. That's prompted by your guides and your angels, okay, to do that. And so... Uh, I began using that, and that led to what's called matrix re-imprinting, which is born out of EFT. Um, Carl Dawson in, in the UK discovered that if you take people uh, inside to their younger self that experienced the event, 
and actually give the younger self resources and actually do EFT on the younger self sometimes. And that was the original process. It's evolved a lot since then. You actually can collapse the issue at the source even more quickly than EFT sometimes by actually, it's like timeline therapy. You go in and you don't necessarily change what happened, but you empower the younger self with tools and awareness to understand that, hey, it's not your fault that this happened. The child self doesn't know that. And so you're carrying this belief your whole life that you're wrong for that event or this event. You may not even remember the event, but you have this feeling and it affects you. It affects your ability to manifest money. It affects your ability to have healthy relationships, whatever it may be in the, in the situation and how your psyche interpreted. So in learning that technique, which, which I love, and it's a really fun technique to, to go in and help the younger self. And I guide people through that process. <clears throat> Excuse me. We also, I also took what's called soul reconnecting. So that was born out of matrix reimprinting, which it was discovered that in, during the time in the womb, okay, we have, we experience traumas, whatever mother experiences, whatever she feels, and actually the father too, and the whole environment, whatever's going on out there is impacting the gestating baby. And that those impacts, those misunderstandings, those body chemicals, when, when mother is stressed, you're feeling, you're flooded with cortisol, the stress hormone, all kinds of things um, is affects at every single moment. That also walls off parts in the psyche that I help people with. And so we need to go back and heal those aspects in the womb every single moment. And we actually go through the timeline in the womb when I lead people through the process. I've actually adapted it to and expanded with some of my other stuff that comes in from my extraterrestrial sources and energy work and, and helping to heal what happened during that time, all the way from conception to birth. And then actually I was trained in matrix birth reimprinting, which is we redo the birth process in a way that's glorious and beautiful and the way that the baby wanted. You know, we help prepare the baby. Most of us, especially star seeds, we're like, uh-uh, I can feel the vibe of this world. And yes, my soul wanted me to come here, but I know what's out there. And that actually creates resistance and fear builds up before you're even born. And a lot of times the soul, most of the time, the soul will try to begin integrating around the fourth month, but not always. Sometimes the soul doesn't start to integrate until after birth, but that's kind of a general framework we work with. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes the, the soul's kind of hanging out, but it's not really integrating the body. And, and it, even at birth, um, sometimes the soul just doesn't want to go through that process necessarily. And there's a consciousness that takes the baby through birth, but <clears throat> excuse me, most of the time the soul, in my experience, the soul attempts to integrate before birth. And that doesn't always go well, because if there's been enough distress embedded in your your dna it literally encodes your dna um there i mean they can they there's i think it's transcriptase uh enzymes something like that there's there's several different things that are markers on the dna that show up whenever something distressing or traumatic happens and that stays there your whole life unless you heal it unless you address it to some degree so what they found is when working with people through uh, matrix re-imprinting and soul reconnecting is that the soul didn't really integrate sufficiently. The, the baby consciousness has already developed enough resistance and then there's this presence coming in and it's scary actually. And so we help redo all of that and integrate the soul 
and take you ultimately through the birth process. And it's a whole new world. And we imprint, we do what's called re-imprint. We re-imprint your quantum field, your quantum reality throughout your whole universe and basically puts you in a, it puts you in a new timeline where your foundation of life is now one of joy, one of ease, one that's welcoming you and looking forward to your arrival rather than you're an inconvenience or whatever it was you got in the, in the consciousness of the environment of the people around you. Even parents who wanted children, that doesn't mean they were free of stress, you know, about the situation and what's going on. For instance, uh, an example of a trauma could be during gestation is mother could uh, experience the death of a family member she loved and is extremely deeply grieving. You as that baby body developing gets all of those body chemicals and energies and emotional energies of grief. And then you take that into your life. And you don't understand why you're, you're carrying this cloud of depression, for instance. It may go back to that. So we look for all of that and help clear it. That is the incredible work that you do, truly in um, reconnecting the soul and healing those aspects and removing that. And we're going to bring you back for live Q&A. That's where you can help people. And watching how you help people really unravel from that is, is amazing. And how you incorporate EFT and all of those tools. Yes, and there's layers too. Sometimes, uh, you know, I'll take people through like the conception process, particularly an older soul. We have to do it more than one time over time because there's so many layers. Old, the older a soul is, the more layers of, of issues and things they've taken on. Older soul meaning... We, we in my ET collective, we define old soul as having at least 5,000 lifetimes or more. We, we break it up into experience. It's not about age. Ultimately, all souls are born at the beginning of creation, right, uh, the, of the universe, but it's more about experience, you know. So you have a whole lot more experiences and nuances within each of those experiences to heal, because uh, an older soul will typically be more sensitive and take in much, much more in just one trauma or one experience than someone who's more of a younger soul or baby soul. They're, they're just, they're more experienced. They're more getting their feet wet, experiencing kind of the, the, the surface level of things. So yeah, you may have healed layers of that, but there may be some other layers too. And this is the deep work that you help your clients with. Yeah. yeah. I know people are looking back and analyzing their own life. So what are some ways that people can understand or identify if they've had a soul blending or a walk-in and what are they to do with that? I mean, again, this whole thing is about the evolution of humanity and our consciousness. Right. And a lot of this applies whether you are a walk-in or not, um, because as we evolve, we're going to outgrow certain forms. We're going to outgrow relationships, certain relationships. And <clears throat> I used to say, boy, you know, nothing in society really uh, provides a framework for breaking up with a friend. You know, it's like you, you talk about breaking up with a relationship, but it's like you, there's expe expectation you're supposed to be friends with someone your whole life. And that doesn't mean um, the love is lost or the anger is lost, but you may evolve out of that friendship. The things that you had in common may no longer be relevant. 
And so a lot of people struggle with that and like trying to keep your childhood friends or your college buddies and that sort of thing. Uh, it may actually be inhibiting your, your expansion and your evolution because every time you interact with that person, if they haven't grown or expand, if they're not on a personal growth, spiritual awakening path, they expect you to interface with them the way you did and the way in the level of reality that they're in. And so it actually, you have to sever off a part of yourself or shrink yourself to interact with that person. And it's actually sometimes not beneficial. Sometimes it can be fun. You have old laughs or whatever. It, it's an individual assessment. Each person has to ascend what's appropriate, assess what's appropriate for them. But I find that holds a lot of people back. And I've helped a lot of people in my sessions and work over the years, uh, let go of certain relationships. And especially for walk-ins, it's very important because new soul selves coming in, it may not relate at all to those people. Uh, almost always divorce occurs if there's a marriage because there's just not a connection. Unless in a case like mine where uh, uh, we were, you know, we were both walking in and that was a part of the next step in the journey. Uh, but family members, that's, that's the biggie. Family of origin that people struggle with. I see a lot of star seeds and light workers struggle with, particularly if you incarnate in a family who doesn't get you, who doesn't believe in this stuff, who's not supportive. Um, it can hold you back by trying to maintain those relationships. And you really do have permission to let go of your family of origin because you have a soul family that's waiting for you. And if you're still identifying with your family of origin as you're a part of them, and that's, that's you somehow and a part of your identity, you're actually going to hold back your evolution and your awakening expansion and ultimately ascension. So especially for a walk-in, there's usually a severance. There's a feeling like I don't relate to these people at all. And if you try to go to family functions or whatever, it just feels very strange and limiting, especially a lot of people in mainstream, they just rehash the past. They don't, they don't speak about expansive things, you know? new learnings, new discoveries, or especially if they're focused on fear and negativity and politics or whatever, all that kind of 3D stuff. Um, it can be very uncomfortable and not good for your energy, not good for your spiritual health to try to keep making those relationships work. And a part of becoming a master is commanding your reality and commanding your relationships if you are gonna interact with anyone in your family of origin. you It, it is your job to communicate boundaries, healthy boundaries, and what you will and will not discuss, what you will and will not interact about. If you don't want to go down the politics route or the whatever the narrative is going on in the news and all that kind of stuff, you have the right to say, I'm not going to discuss this, you know, or if you don't want to be that direct, keep changing the conversation to something meaningful to you to something positive and uplifting and expansive for you. And what you will find is either they got to get on board with you, okay, because you're defining your reality. This is my truth and I'm going to stay in my bubble. I'm not going to step out so that you'll feel better about yourself and, and, and in me being who you think I'm supposed to be, okay? I need to be who I am. So either they'll get on board and start talking about positive things. One of the things I suggest is say, you can totally shift a conversation to like, so what did you do that was fun today? And, and start redirect there. And they'll be like, sometimes I'll be startled, but you can command that conversation. So either they'll join along or they'll be quick to get off the phone. 
because yeah. they don't they don't want to go there. I've certainly evolved through it and uh, helped a ton of people through it. And, and they have just skyrocketed in their evolution in setting those boundaries, um, letting go of people who are toxic in their life, who stay in, stay drowning in negative viewpoints and everything's bad and all that kind of stuff. Just because it's your neighbor, you do not have to stay friends with them. You do not have to interact with them. And it's, it's in fact crucial that you do not for your own evolution and healing and awakening. And it's important to let that be okay that they fall away. We're not, the universe does not hold on to things. The flow of the universe is flow and things, you know, a tree lets go of its limbs, okay? As it grows taller, it's meant to do that because it takes energy to hold those bottom limbs up. It doesn't need anymore. It's drawing in light, hint, hint, okay? So as it's growing taller, it drops its lower limbs. That's, that no longer is suitable and it takes energy to hold them up. Okay, nature's a great teacher. I have a whole thing about the teachings in nature. And so, yes, but you give them an opportunity to rise. We're not here to dip down and conform. We're here to stand in our truth and welcome people into that space, into that dimension, welcome the best out of them. If they're not willing to go there, we must honor that. We must honor their free will choice and, you know, in love and grace and let them go. Don't try to make it happen. That's not bad. That's not being a bad spiritual person or anything like that. A lot of people think being spiritual is being nice all the time. That is, that is not the case. You know, we, we, we want to express from our, our integrity and love as best we can. But sometimes the most loving thing is to say no to a, a narcissist in your life, you know? And uh, a lot of people don't understand that what that really is. And I'm going to be speaking more about that in the future because it is rampant in humanity. Uh, literally narcissist disorder. I'm not th just throwing out that term casually. Um, people who are disguised as they have your interest in mind, but yet their actions and their energy say something else. And they're actually energetically manipulating you. And it's, it's, it's very toxic relationship. So as the, as more light is coming into our planet and more people are bringing in greater soul aspects, whether they know it or not, what is your vision of the future? What do you see in regards to new earth and new systems coming about? I always aim to be optimistic. I've always been, you know, the, the first soul that came in was very awake for the most part. There were some, some switches turned off, but it was like, okay, the world is supposed to evolve into this beautiful place. When's it happening? And it was like year after year, decade after decade. When is it happening? When is it happening? And those of us on the path for a long time, this has been a long time. It's felt really long. But now uh, we, we, we took a nosedive. The timelines took a nosedive in 2016 and uh, where the earth shifted dramatically into the negative timeline. And it was looking pretty hopeless to a lot of us. Basically, a lot of us ETs and, and, um, and, and others, um, it's kind of a complex subject of what those others are, but basically we have plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D, you know, of coming in and helping with the awakening, you know, of, of humanity and the planet. And basically all the plans had run out in, in 2016 and it was April and this massive shift happened and I felt it and I was literally sick in bed for a week where, um, Pe basically 
the the dark forces, so to speak. And I'm not someone who harps on that, but it is a thing. It really exists. And I've been working with them on the other planes as well uh, that kind of have been controlling this planet literally could manipulate time. And they put us on a different timeline through, um, through some quantum physics experiments. And that created a shift, literally geologically, there's a shift and, and people know of it as the Mandela effect. And so that's a whole other really interesting subject, but basically some of the, the uh, like South America and the timeline that I was on, South America was directly under North America. Now it is more out in the Atlantic Ocean. And it was not like that. It was not like that at all. My entire, I was very much into geography. And, uh, and then one day it was literally shifted. The North Pole used to actually be a mass and now it's not. Um, we literally shifted to an earth that um, had a different setup. And there are a whole bunch of other changes too that went with that. You can Google Mandela effect. Don't pay attention to the stuff that say it's false memories. That's part of the agenda to keep you from waking up, okay? It's a real thing, okay? The way you remembered it is real and true. So uh, anyway, it took about a year and a half. A lot of us light workers were working around the clock trying to reset the timeline. It was, it was just very, very intense. And it was around the end of, uh, yeah, 2018, where finally we got the planet back on a course of a positive uh, timeline. And timelines, when I speak, it's a general term. We have our personal timelines, and then there is the Earth timelines, global timelines, okay? So those are two different things. So I'm talking globally at this point. And then um, in December, December 2018 into January 2019, it was like, okay, whoo, okay, we got the new plans on the books. Things are shifting into the positive again. We're rising. And ever since then, I've been back on the optimistic trail. You know, before it's just like I had to accept, hey, it's it's going to a destructive timeline. All right. So what I see coming. There's a lot of potential here. There's a lot of division. You know, we call it like they talk about the bifurcation. There's actually a trifurcation. There's actually many timelines. Everyone has your personal timeline. And by the way, every time you heal, even the most minute thing, every time you access those compartments I was talking about and release that held emotion. And, and by the way, inside those capsules are, are gold. They're, they're precious gifts of you that you tucked away too, like your joy, your peace, your your, your ability to relax and be you, those got tucked away too. So that's really what we're going for. It's not just about releasing held pain. As you reclaim and integrate those every time you immediately put yourself on a new timeline, every time you heal every single one, one that is more uh, optimal for you, more joyous, more peaceful, more in that direction. You're reclaiming all these parts of yourself. So there's the personal timeline. And I focus on that. I don't focus on the global as much because, you know, I'm on a, I'm on a path of ascension. There's absolutely no question about it. That's what I came here for. That's what I, the me that I am, Sol Ra, walked in for. And so I'm a, I actually live on a property that's in a higher dimension as well, which is it's really cool. It's, it's almost a fifth dimensional prop. There, there are hot spots all over the world. And this one is, is one of those high, high spots. So I'm kind of in my own dimensional reality that I don't pay attention to what's happening in the narrative anymore, except to help people and what I encounter in the higher dimensions of what's really going on here. So from my vantage point, um, the positive, so to speak, the, the love is one. The love won back at the end of 2018. And it's just, we're, 
it's a slow transition where, again, like the pouring in the water and the old is leaving, it feels like it's slow and dragging out, okay? But it is happening and changes are happening on a very concrete level. There are beings incarnated all over the planet working at every level of the systems, whether it's in the political system, it's in uh, the school systems, it's in everywhere aiming to elevate and they're doing the work and clearing out what is has been subterfuge and trying to hold back the awakening. So even though you don't see it, you're never gonna see it in the news, okay? The news is not about that. The news is about keeping the fear going and keeping people asleep and focused in a certain way and holding your vision a certain way. Because when you're afraid, you can't think clearly. You can't, you can't access your soul level self. And so it's about going within to knowing your own truth in the core of your being. And that's something I help people with too. And staying in that space as much as you can. And you will continually find yourself in a more and more positive timeline. And in fact, some of these people will just disappear from the world. And we've kind of known this for a long time. As the timeline split, those who choose to be in fear and anger and hate and all of that, they're going to be on a different earth. What earth do you want to be on? And that's really more what it's about. It's not the one earth. There are options. Which one do you want? And that choice comes from where you put your attention every day. Is it on your heart? Is it on compassion? Is it on seeing the beauty in each being and the love? And, and only putting your energy around that where, there, where people are heart-centered, maybe totally different belief systems. For instance, in a lot of these groups that are working to change the system, there could be full-on Christians who, you know, follow the Lord, and there could be, you know, New Agers, you know, and uh, New Earthers, however you think of it, people who are not spiritual at all, and are all coming together in a heart space because there's a common heart space that knows the earth, the world could be better, that knows it's meant to be peaceful. It's meant to be harmonious. And it's only these forces that are trying to flub it up and we're not going to stand for it. Everybody has conditioned concepts of what love is. Like, like a lot of people think love means no pain. And that's not necessarily true because love from our vantage point, the, the, the ET collective who, you know, have, who are much older, you know, have been around, we've done this around the park many times. Love responds to the situation as needed. Love, infinite love allows all. That's why all of this is happening. It's because it was allowed. It was like collectives came together and said, hey, we have an idea. Some people call it the fall, the fall of humanity and all of that. I don't think of that as a negative thing. That was, or an accident by any means, that was chosen to densify and densify and densify in order to forget. You have to forget that you're this infinite being in order to have very focused experiences that then lead to greater expansion ultimately. So one of the examples is like in the higher dimensions, we could hear a symphony as it's just one sound. Woo. And to incarnate, to densify, you're picking it apart and you're hearing all the different instruments. You're incarnating as a, as a bassoon or a drum or a clarinet. And you're experiencing what that feels like and that sounds like and all the intricacies and nuances of that. And then you might decide to be another instrument another time. And then through it all, 
you understand the symphony much, much more than when you started in the higher dimension where you just heard and felt the one, the one sound. And that's part of this journey of dipping in is we're, we're, we're going, I, I use Google Maps as an example. It's like zooming in, zooming in, zooming in, zooming in. The soul level sees the whole thing, all right? But you keep zooming in, magnifying when you incarnate and dipping into greater density, forgetting who you are, and you're having very specific experiences on purpose, even though your conscious mind doesn't necessarily remember. And then you start to get inklings. Hey, there's a greater truth here. Hey, I'm noticing some coincidences. Hey, why do I keep attracting the same type of person in a relationship? Maybe there's something in me that I need to look at. There's an unconscious going on here and you start to become conscious. And so to me, the awakening process is not just about awakening to your soul self, your grand soul self. It's about awakening to your human self, the selves that you locked away and didn't know it in your childhood and your past lives. Because all your past lives had inner children too, had, had went through a childhood. And people will tell me, well, you know, I'm afraid of coming forth with my, with my work because I was persecuted in another life. Well, of course. But that, that, that persecuted person was a child that believed things about him or herself that led to that persecution. It wasn't just because the Inquisition was going around and, and arresting everyone. And I had one of those lifetimes too. Believe me, it was not pretty. It, but, there wasn't, but I went through that process and healed that self because she had an inner child that had certain anger beliefs that was a healer. Beautiful, wonderful healer healing many people. This was in the 1100s AD. Really coming from the heart and then was ultimately arrested by the Inquisition and tortured and killed. But when I broke it down and began to understand, I was carrying an anger about, you know, there were, there were, there were developing assumptions because before there was the earth religions where women were honored. And there was this transition where now women, you know, as Christianity was coming in and the, the church fathers were changing everything and dominating and making it patriarchal and stamping out anything about women's power, there was an anger I was carrying, actually seeds from other lifetimes prior that led to that persecution and, and killing. There were people who made it through just fine and were not persecuted and killed. So I look at the whole picture when I'm helping someone heal, I see the series of lifetimes. And, but I'm especially focused in this lifetime because it didn't, no matter what you experienced in past lives, there's a seed of it in your childhood in this life. If we can connect with that seed and then we can heal all the way back in time and all the way forward in time, because remember all time is now and literally change your quantum reality. So you work with people all around the world in assisting them in clearing this and reconnecting to their soul. And I want to have you share about your special offer that allows people to access you. Yes. Well, one of the special offers is about, uh, let's see, I think it's called the, the beginning of life reset, sometimes with sound, energy work, different things, but it's a guided process where I take you back to conception. And I have a video on your site that actually explains it in more depth so they can, uh, anybody who's interested can watch that. But basically we go back and we help the sperm and the egg before they join because there's actually we found there's stress and tension there and we inform them about what's going to happen and how it's going to blossom into this greater being uh, the sperm will care carries 
thought forms and energy forms and issues from the father, the egg, the same. So we work on clearing those that you don't need and just having what's left, what you do need to become your awesome, extraordinary self in this life. And we help them then join with those peaceful aspects and the, the, rest, the rest has been shedded that you don't need. Say like um, a common one is the sperm is carrying an energy that like the father was typically the provider. Like, how am I gonna provide for this for a child? And, and maybe e even if he decided to, to want to have um, a child, there may be fear there and doubt in himself, okay? It could be you're the first child, it could be you're the, the fifth, you know, and, and he's feeling it, right? So that energy could go into conception and you're carrying that vibe in your DNA. Same with the, feet, with the egg. The egg often is like, we find she's hanging out, we call him he and she, even though it's not technically gender. And, and is not necessarily interested in joining with this thing over there. And it sounds really silly and trite and crazy, but it's not, it's very, very real. And we help them vibrationally get to know each other. And it's very imaginative, the process is, it's actually one of the most fun healing processes that I do. And uh, because you get to engage your imagination and you listen and literally the client can hear what they're saying. And we're getting feedback with what, what the egg and sperm are saying. And once they join, we get them all comfortable and they join, then the cell division occurs. We settle them in to the lining of the uterus. And then we go through each month and see if there's any trauma, if there's any distress, if there's anything going on. And we help that baby self that's developing heal it. And then of course, when it's time for the soul to come and merge, we help that process as well. And we literally take them into a higher plane where they get to know the soul first and get to know what's going on. Because really what a lot of us are suffering is shock after shock after shock in this dimensional plane. This, this whole world is just like one big shock and trauma, especially if we come from really nice, warm, loving, high vibe places. And so healing that shock is like 90% of it a lot of times. Well, really it's more like 50%. And then there's self-judgment that begins to occur on top of that. That's really the key is healing the self-judgment. So a lot of my work is helping people validate themselves because they've been impacted by so much, so many messages that they're not okay as who they are, whether from the school system, religion, parental family unit, all of that. You reclaiming yourself and being who you are is about healing that and realizing you are perfect and okay just as you are from the get-go. And any assumption otherwise is a misunderstanding. So I help people, we go in and we heal those misunderstandings. The child self didn't have enough information to really understand it at the time. We help the child understand it. And so through the beginning of life reset, we're resetting everything and we're imprinting, we're re-imprinting your quantum field with every positive experience. You know, we want to get the baby feeling good and happy and eventually ready to come into this plane. It's like, okay, good. I, I've, I've got what I need. I've got my tools. I've got my techniques. I've got help now, I see I've got angels, I understand this now, there's a purpose. And then we take them through the birth ultimately in a, in a birth re-imprinting session, which is different. So that's one of them. Do you have any questions about that? No, okay. And so the other offer, um, what did I call it? Uh, oh yeah, evolution booster session. So I typically work through programs and um, long-term programs that help people evolve and grow more quickly. Uh, but for this uh, 
for, for this interview, I created this just a, just a one session so you can get your feet wet. And it really can cover anything. I help people with just about any issue. I'm extremely trauma-informed. I've got a trauma history that I have healed. I understand PTSD. And uh, so there's that scope there. Um, if you're someone who um, is curious about metaphysics and spirituality, maybe you're fairly new to this, I can answer questions and help you, you know, like as a teacher and a mentor along the way. Um, I definitely love helping light workers and healers and star seeds who are struggling or stuck in some area of their life, help them. You know, you may be awesome in what you do, but in this other area, maybe you haven't been able to heal this health issue and it's a mystery to you, or maybe you haven't been able to, you know, resolve something. So, you know, I work at that plane as well. People who are much more advanced on their path and everything in between. Uh, anything, any challenging situation with your business, I also can help you if you're you're stuck in your business and it's not evolving, we can look at what's going on there and help transmute that. So this will be just a taste, it's an introduction because normally, you know, it took you a while to develop your issues. It might take a little while to totally unravel it, but my goal is to get you as far as we can in one session as possible. And that's just 60 minutes, but we can accomplish a lot. And so that's the other offer. And of course, my goal is to help you awaken to your freedom, awaken to your joy, awaken to your true magnificent self and fulfilling your purpose and joy and ease. It's not meant to be a struggle, but there are some things we need to work through to get to that place where we really are experiencing the ease and flow of, of the unfoldment of your purpose here. And just because you are struggling, it doesn't mean anything's wrong with you. It just means you got some unconscious stuff that's holding you back. And that's where somebody like me comes in and can, can help you with that. It's my passion to really help you become free. Great. So personal sessions with you, one 75 minutes, the other is 60 minutes. Great ways to just dive really deep within and do that work, the layers upon layers and really get to the root cause. I'm, I'm for here for people who are really ready, you know, who are kind of at that place where I'm, I'm fed up and I'm ready to go deep. I'm ready to look at this stuff, whatever it is. Um, you know, if you don't feel ready, if you feel afraid, that's okay. When you're ready, you know, you know, somebody like me exists. But I'm definitely here for people who are ready, and I will, I will get you as far as I can. And uh, my other special offers, do you want me to talk about those? Oh, yes, because there's some digital items, some um, MP3s and things. I've done my channeled sound meditations. That's what I call them, these events. Over the years, uh, probably, yeah, I started, started in the late 90s. Anyway, once the digital age came about, back then we recorded in cassettes, right? Um, so these are digital recordings of these live events and, you know, remastered and reworked a little bit to help them, you know, get the best sound quality can we can. And uh, where the, each one has a different purpose or a focus. I did them every month. And uh, the ones I did, let's see, I, I, one is called 1111 Expansion into Self-Love. Yeah, so the, the week or so before the masters, you know, my collective, we would get together and it's like, okay, well, what are we going to? focus the energies on to help people with in the next group. So that one was helping people expand more into self-love. And that was recorded on an 11-11 uh, event, uh, November 11th. And so it carries that energy, but our, our focus is especially about self-love, self-acceptance and really embodying that. One thing I didn't say about sound is sound has, what I love about it, one of many things is that it, uh, intentional sound, you know, channel sound with a, with, for transformation. It has the ability to bypass your blocks. 
and get to those places and unlock them very quickly and easily. And the conscious mind doesn't understand it. When we're using words, the conscious mind is constantly interpreting and it can affect or influence or misunderstand or misinterpret. And a lot of times that's where you, you might get angry or something. If someone is sharing an actual spiritual truth with you or whatever, that's some sort of aspect in your mind that's unresolved about that. And it will hold up a block or usually it's fear. You know, it's fear of change, fear of, uh oh, I feel this energy, you know? So I guide you through and I can include the meditation part, the guided meditation part of the beginning of the recordings, guide you through to relax, breathe, that sort of thing like I did before here tonight. And then uh, and then I begin channeling the sound, usually begins with the drumming and the drum helps to shake up loose stuff, you know, stress issues. Drums can vibrate your whole organs, you know, your internal organs. And of course, through, uh, through the speakers of a computer, it's not as great. I recommend people use the best sound system they have. It's not about hearing, by the way, it's about feeling the sound, you know, uh, touching your aura, affecting your aura and your consciousness. So it's best not to use earbuds. And so as it, as it goes along, there's drumming and then I begin channeling the sounds and sometimes it's language of light, you know, sometimes a master will come in and speak, you know, Pleiad some, some sort of Pleiadian language or Syrian or any of that stuff that's really cool. Um, it will unlock things in your soul memory and help awaken you more and more in integrating your soul self as well. So that's, that's the first one. The second one is, um, oh yeah, that's the angel one. So that was that week that the angels came to me and said, hey, we're going to do an angel one and we're going to help everybody connect with their individual angels. And so that's the focus of that. And I guide you through meditation and, you know, welcome you to connect with your angels and just or just welcome their gifts. That's what I call it. Receive your angels gifts because we're being blessed all the time. We're being showered by the universe with gifts and abundance and and loving energies all the time. We don't realize we're unconsciously blocking it all the time, but it's all right here. The love is not a way and you've got to do something to qualify for it or get there. It's right here now. And it's just a matter of clearing what's in the way within you. So that one focuses on that with the angels and they're beautiful. They come in and they sing. They actually sing in English some, some parts as well. And then uh, the third one is renewal. So that was the focus. It was springtime and I love the peep frogs. I don't know if you have them in Colorado, but um, we get the peep frogs and they make peep, peep, peep sounds in, in the spring. So uh, I lived at the time, lived near a creekside and I went down and actually recorded those the week before. And I knew I was gonna integrate them into the sound event. And so they're played during parts of the event. And when I was sitting there recording it, it was so powerful and it was so loud. I was overwhelmed and I had this, heart chakra bursting opening just when I was recording the peep frogs. And so when I play it, that's part of the focus is that, you know, helping to open your heart chakra and experience renewal. So it's a great one to listen to when you've been through challenges and you want to be rejuvenated or you're ready to step into a new space. And if you love nature sounds too, because it's just beautiful. And I tone and all that stuff too with it. Yeah, I mean, oh, it and, sounds... and crystal bowls. People who love crystal bowls, they're in all the recordings as well. So thank you. I mean, those sound beautiful, really, with the light language and the crystal bowls and the instruments that you bring through. You truly are a sound healer, and you're working with 
the Trigallion Masters and the Angels. Very cool. Yeah, we have special guests sometimes too, like you'll see in the descriptions. Um, dolphins and whales sometimes come through. I think one of the audios has that. Um, yeah, they're a part of the collective because, you know, dolphins ascend too, and whales, on, on, they're Syrian, mostly they're Syrian beings. So they're a part of the collective too. Great. Well, we invite everyone to read more about it. There's a special offer link right here on this webpage. And we thank you so much for that. Yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to say about personal sessions or how people use those MP3s? Uh, I would recommend not listening to the MP3s while you're driving because, you know, it's a deep state. It's facilitating deep state. To get the most out of it, I recommend lying down and um, wherever you've got your sound system as best you can. Uh, sometimes if you have plastic speakers, when, when the really loud tones come, it'll, it'll make the plastic kind of reverberate and it's not as pleasant. Just do the best you can, even if you have it on low volume, it's okay. It's still, the energy's coming through. You just need some sound to be able to come through. Your guides are always with you. They've never gone. Just because you don't hear them sometimes doesn't mean they're gone. It just means your energy is, or your attention has been shifted into something else, or there's something, you know, blocking it. Could be something that you're not wanting to hear and you're not ready. And they're saying, hey, go this direction or whatever. The more you can just be open and surrender and know that you're in a loving universe, not whatever your psyche developed, whatever concepts it developed in your upbringing about the world. And we literally are in a new world. It's just going to take some time to really experience the beauty of this new dimensional space. And from my point of view, the fifth dimension is, is a ways away, so to speak, in terms of being a full-on earth experience, but we're moving, we're, we're rising in that direction. And definitely there are more and more places all over the earth that are more in a fifth dimension or fourth dimensional higher space. And some, some are in fifth, not quite yet, yet, but we're getting there. So, but it's all ultimately right here and you can connect with it the more you relax. Relaxation is key. So these meditations are designed to help you relax. And the more you do, the more you just naturally open to receive like a sponge, the love that's all around you and within you all the time. Multidimensional tools, absolutely, to connect us to higher dimensional beings and the frequencies that are around us all the time. Thank you so much for being here for New Earth, for bringing in the new paradigm, for helping people expand consciousness and heal the deep trauma of our past, lifetimes and all of it. We knew we could do it and we're here now. And yes. so it's game on Yes, and it's good. We, we are all feeling uh, invigorated by it. And again, that surrender to love, surrender to the frequencies. That's beautiful, isn't it? Yes, yeah. it is, it is. And you know, even if you have to dip into some painful stuff that doesn't mean you're lowering your vibration. There's a lot of misunderstanding I see in spiritual circles to feel old held anger, you're actually feeling it all the time. You're just unconscious of it. And so what these processes do just simply help bring it to the surface out of you and does what I call, it turns into sparkles basically and is recycled into the universe. But nothing in the universe holds on to anything. Nature does not hold on. Like I said, it lets go. That's what's natural. And to think that you're hurting the universe by letting your anger out or you're, you're, you're feeling fear or you're hurting yourself is not true. That's a misunderstanding. It's just a misunderstanding. 
It's old stuff trying to work its way out and be free so that you can be more free and expand more into more of who you are. There's really nothing to be afraid of. And I tell people, if you already experienced that thing in the past, remembering it can't harm you. You're just simply connecting with it or remembering it. It's already happened. Now you're just bringing it to conclusion and resolution. That's what it's about. And reclaiming those precious parts of you that got locked away, that it's time to have those. You need your power back. You need your joy back. You need that to live your life and your purpose fulfilled. And that's what you're meant to do is be fulfilled and live a joyous life with co-creators, a, cre a life where you are a creator, you know, a conscious co-creator in your life with other conscious co-creators. And we're literally creating that new earth every moment through this processes. Thank you, Somra. Thank you so much. And light workers, thank you for doing your light work, your light work of love. Thank Absolutely. you. Namaste. Thank you. Thank you all. Namaste. Thank you for listening to this quantum conversation. And thank you for dancing with us to the cosmic heart. As we raise our own vibration, we raise the vibration of the planet. This show is dedicated to you and all awakening hearts as we are here to shine our bright light and amplify our love. Access all quantum conversations, special offers from our guests, and online healing retreats by visiting AcousticHealth.com. I'm Loren Gailey, and from my sacred heart to yours, I honor your magnificent love and light. We leave you now with music from the universe. Music literally created by the universe as musical notes were assigned to mathematical equations. The result is this beautiful music available at AcousticHealth.com. Namaste. Namaste.